The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's up, everybody? Eric Franson with you here on a Friday. Ooh, man, if you caught your breath after that wild game last night, Utah State down, and a lot of people had written them off. And then they found a way to come back. And uh, Sam Merrill, the legend of Sam Merrill grows. It just got immensely larger last night. So uh, what a game for the Aggies to come back from being down and then taking care of business against uh, a New Mexico team that was making it tough on them. That that whole game was just wild and how it went and had its ebbs and flows back and forth. It's almost like you could split it into quarters and who won each quarter was different. Um, the, the first half of the first half belonged to USU. The second half of the first half belonged to New Mexico. The, the first half of the second half pretty much belonged to New Mexico. And then the second half of the second half belonged to USU. Um, but a phenomenal game for the Aggies and uh, how they were able to take care of business there in Las Vegas. And uh, we'll be hoping to hear from Ajay, who was there in Las Vegas and uh, was uh, you know, watching all of the action there and then stuck around to watch the other game that took place. And that one was pretty exciting too. What a crazy day of games in the Mountain West Conference yesterday. Uh, it started off with a, a good one between Boise State and UNLV. Uh, San Diego State had to kind of hold off Air Force. Of course, we had the Utah State back and forth battle with New Mexico. And then the upset uh, the evening for uh, Wyoming over uh, Wyoming over Nevada. And, you know, we said earlier, you know, watch out for that game. That one could be interesting. Even though Wyoming really struggled pretty much all year, whenever they played Nevada, they always played them close, and they f- they finally got over the hill and uh, were able to take them down. So Wyoming with an upset over Fresno earlier, uh, and then they beat uh, they beat Nevada. So they've got as many wins in conference play in the last two days as they had all conference season in the Mountain West. That's just the craziness of conference tournaments. That's why I love March. Uh, It's hard to rival March. I mean, there are so many great things that happen. We can have debates about what's the best sports month or the best time of the year for sports. September is a great one. October's really, really good. You got college football. You got NFL going. The NBA is starting on the tail end of it. You've got the World Series going on. High school football is going on. October's a great month for sports. But I don't know. Uh, It's hard to rival March with the, the conference tournaments that happen in basketball. Baseball is starting up. You got the push and the race to the playoffs in the NBA. Uh, NFL free agency uh, is happening. So it's, wow, it, 
It's great. And we're just getting started. We're only, what, five days into this? And this is the first set of conference uh, tournament games because the the WAC or excuse me the West Coast will start uh, later this week uh, into next week there in Las Vegas the WAC is going to be going on all other conference tournaments are going to be taking place next week it's just getting started folks I love it uh, what if for anybody that went down to Las Vegas and just decided to plop themselves down in a seat and watch as many games as they could they absolutely got their money's worth yesterday. And I, I know some people in my neighborhood, they go down every year, and they do just that. They're, whether Utah State's a great team or not, whether Utah State's playing or not, they go to watch as many of the games as they can. And, I, man, I can thinking of those guys yesterday, those guys got their money's worth. What a game. Uh, and as great as uh, Sam Merrill was, but how about Diogo Brito? Came up huge, especially after that hard fall, getting up in the air and, and coming down awkwardly. And it uh, looked like he got, you know, he had to go to the locker room for a while. He was able to come back and, uh, and, and play and contribute. Um, they started making their comeback. And even though Utah State was down, he flexed after uh, making a bucket. And the, the reason for that is because that put him into double figures. And as we know, when Diogo Brito scores in double figures, Utah State is undefeated. They do not lose. That's the secret sauce. And that happened again last night. I thought Diogo Brito came up huge uh, in those uh, in the last bit in that uh, push toward the end. Fifteen points, seven boards. I thought Keta was held in check because of some foul trouble. But uh, Justin Bean was phenomenal as well. 10 points, 15 rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Um, you know, and Brock Miller, I-, I thought that he did a nice job coming off the bench as well. Um, I-, I thought he was active. I liked how he attacked the basket on a couple of those times, trying to break the press, uh, making some mid-range shots. His three-point shot really wasn't falling. He really wasn't falling at all for the Aggies, period. Um, I mean, they were only, what, 27 28% from beyond the arc. But I, I liked kind of the energy that he was able to bring off the bench and uh, make some things happen. Now, there were a lot of turnovers that really hurt the Aggies uh, last night. That press really caused fits, which allowed New Mexico to get back into it. Now, Utah State shot the ball really, really well outside of the three-pointers, but they shot the ball really well when they had opportunities to take shots at the basket. But the big reason New Mexico was able to stay hanging in this game is because they forced the turnovers and they were hitting their threes a little bit better than the Aggies were. But um, uh, So certainly that's something that other teams are going to be looking at and uh, watching for and try to emulate uh, to uh, frustrate Utah State in getting after them with a, with a press and trying to get the ball out of uh, Abel Porter's hands or to really dog Sam Merrill, which is certainly nothing new. But um, I-, I loved how Utah State was able to still weather that storm and and fight their way back. Uh, let's see. We uh, Ajay was has been down in Las Vegas and uh, got to see everything that was going on there live and in person. 
And uh, we'll see. Do we have you now, Ajay? You able to hear us? You got us? Eric, you got me? Hello, Ajay. Eric, do you have me? I have you loud and clear. I can't even hear myself talking back to me, so we've got a little bit of an echo. And we got a serious delay, too, so don't talk over me. <laughs> uh, this is always fun. Okay, so tell me uh, from your reactions, uh, being there, seeing the comeback as it started to unfold for USU, Sam Merrill in foul trouble, uh, Utah State is down, it looks like everybody's starting to freak out, like this is it, the Aggies aren't going to be able to do this, uh, the season's going to come to an end, and then they chip away at it, and they keep chipping away at it, and they come out on top. Eric, if someone would have told me that Keta would have had three fouls by the end of the first half, I believe. Sam would have had four fouls with still about 12 and a half, 13 minutes left in the game. And that Brito was going to have a bad fall. Abel Porter was going to be out for most of the second half. We lose by 20. Just crystal ball in my hand. That's my prediction. So with Sam coming back into the game, and really Coach Smith had no choice at this point. Uh, the Lobos crowd was really into it. I mean, that place, by the way, real, a side note, what a great atmosphere that was last night of the Lobos and Aggies. I mean, great Lobo crowd. Uh, Lobo Samson is post-game presser. They're the second best crowd in the country. <laughs> uh, but it was just so loud and so tournament atmospheric. It was beautiful. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but you know, the local crowd was into it. You know, New Mexico goes on this, on this run and Aggies are having a time breaking the press. Uh, you got Brock Miller throwing the ball everywhere. You got Barristow making really dumb decisions at times. Um, and this Aggie team was just reeling. And then all of a sudden, Sam Merrill comes in in a gutsy, gutsy decision. Comes in with about mm, 10 and a half to go, give or take, and, uh, with four fouls. And Sam Merrill just, I mean, puts the cape on and goes to work. What an incredible second half Sam Merrill had. You know, what was really interesting is that when he was able to go to the hole, well, the first time he had the ball in his possession and after he came back in, he drove and they they called a body foul. Sam put the ball on the ground and nodded and said, okay, now I'm finally getting those calls I didn't get in the first half. And then he went again and he drew another foul. And it was almost the exact same foul that he didn't get in the first half going to the hole and putting it off the glass and good and drawing the and one. And that's kind of when Sam got it going. And then he, I mean, on a tough jump, I mean, he did it right in front of me, Eric. About four hard dribbles, stops at the right elbow and then pulls up in a guy's grill and hits the, hits the jumper. And, and Sam took like two hops as he hit it because he knew it was good. And you could tell he was starting to get a little bit of rhythm in himself. And my God. Gosh, Eric, my the I, I mean, tell me when to shut up. But um, what he did in the second half is why, in my mind, Sam Merrill is the greatest Aggie to ever put in it on a uniform ever, ever. Not even like I, there's no conversation. Don't even you can argue with me all you want. Sam Merrill is the greatest Aggie basketball player to ever play the basketball game. And the craziest thing is, Eric, is that so many of us didn't even realize he became second in scoring all time. Like, it just totally brushed my mind. Like, I didn't even think about it because of what was going on. Uh, just incredible performance by uh, by Merrill and, of course, Brito uh, coming on late. You know, he took that really hard fall, and I thought he had a concussion. Like, he, 
he looked like the wear for worse, to be honest with you. And for him to come back in, he was grimacing the rest of the night, Eric. He would, at free throws, he would kind of bend his back over a little bit. He would squat just a little bit, try to find some comfort for his back. He wasn't healthy the rest of the night, but that three that he hit in the corner, I don't even think he was square. He turned around and he saw, oh, I'm open. And it almost looked like he faded away when he shot it and let it go and it went in. And I mean, that pretty much did it in for the Lobos. What a game, Eric. I'm sorry, that's a long answer to a short question, but... I just can't say enough about this Utah State Aggie basketball team. Well, no, you were there. You felt the energy. You could see what was happening in in front of you and, and feel the electricity in the arena as it as it was unfolding. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted you to uh, to illustrate for us. And just that Sam Merrill, I love some of the things that he said afterwards. That uh, coach doesn't really like us to go to do one on one basketball. But there were a couple of times where he was feeling it, and he's just like, no, I'm, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to do it. I can beat these guys. And then the comments from Coach Weir afterwards. I don't know if you got a chance to hear those, but you could just see his, how dejected <laughs> he was that he, they just could not stop Sam Merrill. You you hit it head on the nail with everything. Um, Coach Weir's comments, in fact, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Vance Jackson was sitting one or two people down from him, and he just looked over – and just put his head down and just shook it. Like, what did, I mean, what, what were we supposed to do? And you're right. I, you know, it's, it's, you're right. Coach is not a one-on-one guy, but it's really interesting. When Bean got the rebound on the opposite side of the court, Sam Merrill was standing about a yard behind him, screaming at him, give me the ball. And, and like he, he said, Bean, Bean, give me the ball. So he gives him the ball and then he starts dribbling down and, and he looks at coach and coach was going to call play. Sam waves him off. And you can see everybody else jogs into place and they all just kind of don't, they don't even, Ked just kind of, I mean, I think it was Bean, Bean up for a screen. Merrill says, go, get out of here. Bean or Ked just stands at the block. Bear still stands in the corner. Brock's in the other corner. Like nobody moved. Because they all knew one thing, and Coach Smith didn't say a word. Because they knew one thing: if there's anybody we want in the ball in our in our hands right now, it's Sam Merrill. We want nobody else taking the shot. And if anybody else was going to try and take the shot, Sam would have told him to go do you know go to H E Double L Hockey Sticks. Like there is no way anybody was taking that that shot. And I mean, it was just beautiful. You you look at it and McGee says, you know, let's dance. Sam says, I'll lead. He takes two dribbles with the right, two dribbles to the left, one through the legs and just pulls up. I mean, freaking gajones, Eric, to take that shot. That is gajones to take a shot like that in a game like that, in a moment like that. And then of course being Sam Merrill knocks it down and, uh, you know, it's in, when you actually watch the bench, Eric Peterson's a pretty subtle guy, Coach Eric Peterson. He gets up and just leaps in the air and pumps his fist, as does uh, Coach Ragland. And it just and, – and the best thing was is when you hear that crowd, you hear the New Mexico crowd just like, you got to be kidding me. You saw like – you saw about 200 fans almost just bury their face in their hands, and you saw another 200 little fans put their hands over their head. That place just was – Incredible, like mixture of stunned and elation. And then when Brito hit his three, you know, it was funny, like when New Mexico got the floater to go in to tie it back up, uh, Brito came in and then hit that three from the corner, and it just took the complete air out of the sails for New Mexico. They knew they were done. Like it's one thing to be able to continue to compete with Sam Merrill, but then when Brito comes to the corner and takes an off-balance three and hits it, 
You, like it, honestly, Eric, it took everything out of that Lobo crowd. They just they knew they were done, and uh, it uh, well, what a <laughs> that I, I just I know you're asking about the atmosphere, and I just cannot I I can never in, in any way do it justice how electric that game was inside of Thomas and Mac. Incredible. I was you know you're supposed to be professional. When you're sitting on the media row, and I about lost my lost my crap. Like I really did. It was just. <laughs> Holy cow! Like you get involved in the game, you forget you're doing your job, and you get so involved in this game because it's Sam Merrill for two, Vance Jackson for three, Sam Merrill for three, Vance Jackson for two, Sam Merrill with a layup and one, McGee with a floater. I mean, it was just back and forth. Sam Merrill versus New Mexico. Sam Merrill versus the Thomas and Mack Center. By the way, it was it was interesting as as the fans for UNLV or yeah as Nevada and Wyoming started piling in. Everybody started cheering for New Mexico. Everybody was starting to get into it. Lobos, Lobos. I mean, I saw Nevada fans. Eric, I saw Nevada fans doing the freaking Lobo chant for crying out loud. It was just that kind of a thing where it all of a sudden it turned Sam Merrill versus the whole entire Mountain West Conference. And he said, Aggie's hopping my back. We're getting this done. And my gosh, did he ever do it. Just incredible basketball. Both ways, by the way. I, I saw some Lobo fans uh, coming back and... Uh, they looked at me and they said, dude, we hate you guys. Like, does Sam Merrill graduate? We're like, yeah, he's done. He's going to play the NBA. Good. Just, I can't wait to not see him ever again. I don't want to ever see that kid again. And, uh, I, I think, as you mentioned, Coach Weir's comments similarly alluded to that fact. So, in fact, let's, let's hear those right now. Just be aware there is a little bit of language, but I think it, it, it is safe enough for radio, but just, uh, be advised Sam he's Merrill, a little upset. Sam Merrill, Sam Merrill, I'm going to see this kid in my, when he, uh, came for a back long with... time. Trey Kell, part two. Yeah, sorry, Sam Merrill. He's amazing. He should be in the NBA draft. He kicked our ass. He kicked my ass. He's a great basketball player. I wish him all the best. Um, he was exceptional tonight. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't do a good enough job. He beat me at the end of the day. Um, he's, he's a great player, and I could not find a way to stop him when it mattered. Um, he can beat you from all three levels as he showed it, and uh, he was awesome tonight. Sam. That's incredible. What, what an incredible illustration of how one player dismantled his opponent. And the, the coach, he's, just, he's got his hand over his face. Paul Weir is just baffled by how Sam Merrill was able to will that team to the victory last night. Eric, they were down. I mean, Aggies were down by 11, and Paul Weir seriously thought this game was over. Yeah, I mean, I with mean, Utah State's I mean, top guys in foul trouble. Exactly, exactly, Eric. When Merrill came in, Coach Weir got excited because he said, oh, they're risking it. And it was actually the right decision to make. It really was because, look, it, it's Sam's last game. You let him go, all right? You, you put him in and you said, just look, do whatever you can to get us back in this game. And if you foul out, if he fouls out, he fouls out. But we're going to let make sure because if Sam would have stayed out any longer and this thing gets to 15, it's over. We, we, there's no way the Aggies have the energy or the stamina or just – the depth to come back. And so he comes in and Coach Weir gets excited and he realizes the situation. And then you saw them drive on Sam. You saw him try to take it to the rim against Keta. And I just, I am just amazed that for 10 and a half minutes, Sam or Keta didn't foul out that whole entire, that, that rest of the second half. And 
even more so. I, I and I just I, I you you know Coach Weir he's he's so classy. He really is. He's you might hate him when he's on the court, but off the court he really does have a ton of respect for the Utah State Aggies and um and he but he's right. I mean he he did whatever he could to stop him. It wasn't like Coach Weir was like, oh, let's not worry about it. We'll be okay. He did whatever he could to stop him. When Sam got going, Weir tried to push the issue with a zone. Sam continued to find ways to break it. The press was starting to get uh, was starting to be figured out by this Aggie squad, and uh, it, it it just it, it snowballed from there for the New Mexico Lobos. It, it's interesting, Eric. You know, you look back at last year's quarterfinal game against the same Lobos team. We were tied at half, just like we were this year at thirty nine all, and then uh, we and then they were down by eight. The Aggies were, and everyone kind of thought, well, this is it. This is this is over. We're gonna have this disappointing run right here, and. Uh, and guess who was who brought us back? Sam Merrill, again. So in back-to-back years, Aggies were tied at half. In back-to-back years, Aggies trail midway through the second half. In back-to-back years, it's Merrill who comes and brings it back. And, and uh, yeah, the Mount West Conference can't, get rid- can't wait to get rid of Sam Merrill. Like, that is going to be the greatest gift to the 2020 basketball season for a lot of Mount West Conference basketball teams to see Sam Merrill go play elsewhere. All right, well, more to discuss about that game last night and the other games that took place in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. So a lot of exciting finishes. And uh, I also want to talk about some of the other unsung heroes for that Utah State men's basketball team last night and what's on tap this evening. It's a late game tonight, but we'll tell you what's going on, the, the, the situation that uh, Utah State's going to be facing. Uh, and uh, we're also going to talk about the Utah Jazz a little bit later on. We're going to talk about Jordan Love. We're going to talk about this high school all-star game that's coming up tomorrow. A lot of things on tap today. A little bit of a shortened show. Utah Jazz do play the Boston Celtics, and that's going to cut into our program a little bit later on next hour. But also want to remind you, if you want to weigh in on some of your reactions to that game last night, we'd love to hear what you uh, what you saw how you reacted to that Utah State win uh, 435-339-0321 to text in and let us know uh, your thoughts about last night and even predictions for tonight. In fact, we got a text message in from 9315 who says, Mr. Clutch does it again. Great threes last night when we need them. It's going to be a rodeo tonight, and the Bulls going to buck off the Cowboy. I like it. Uh, all right, so we'll talk more about that, get some more reaction from Ajay, who was there in Las Vegas, about what's going on in the Mountain West Tournament. Coming up next after this short timeout here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Big win last night for the Utah State Aggies in Las Vegas at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. What a day, really. Not just that game, but pretty much every game there at the Thomas and Mac was an exciting finish or had really exciting moments for certain stretches. Uh, San Diego State didn't exactly blow away Air Force, although they pulled away late, but it, like I said, it was late. In that game before they did that, Wyoming with the big upset. Utah State, New Mexico was to the wire. Boise State, UNLV was close the whole way through. Ajay, that's, today's going to be tough to beat what happened yesterday in the Thomas and Mac. You know, what's really interesting. I uh, <laughs> Like, San Diego State just looks really disinterested. I mean, I know, like, it's a Mount West Conference tournament, 
And they just like, like, huh? I mean, they're just going through the motions. They're kind of get lazy with their offense. Defense is at times lackadaisical, aware. Um, it, it's interesting, and, and but they still get get away with it. I was talking to a a, a sports writer who was there, um, and uh, he's a national writer. And I asked him about. it. I said, like, do you think they could get away with this? And he goes, no. He goes, if they do that versus a 16 seeded team in the NCAA tournament, they're gonna get beat. Like they 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 aren't going to get away with that. And I said, even by a 16 seed, and he says, you don't understand. Those 16 seeds are thrilled to be in the NCAA tournament, excited. And he said, the San Diego State Aztecs are going to think, oh, it's a 16 seed. We'll save our energy for the Elite Eight. And if they do that, it's going to catch up to them, and it's going to bite them, and they're going to become the second number one seed in NCAA history to lose a tournament game. So there's that. Credit to Air Force for even battling as long as they were able to. They Lavelle Scotty just had a rough, rough day and just could not find the rim. Uh, the Boise State UNLV game is really interesting because for two reasons. One, when I was talking to Boise State fans here at the uh, hotel, and uh, we were chatting for a little bit, I said, hey, you know, you guys excited for the game? Uh, it's been a fun run, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to end versus this UNLV team. It's tough to play them at home. Every fan I talked to said they weren't going to win. Not even kidding. And so for them to get out of there with a win, now I know Mitri Long is out with a knee injury, um, and that was a big, big cause to help the Boise State Broncos. But I just felt like they had that one guard who came alive, um, and then they had Den- you know Dennis kind of was really shouldered a lot of uh, uh, of the time of taking the ball and, and making good decisions. I thought Alston was Alston was not that good, but he was but he got what needed to be done when they needed it the most. You know he had the dunk and he had the and one bucket. I just I don't think Alston's that good of a basketball player to be honest with you. Not as good as he thinks he is at least. And then, of course, Jessup was just awesome. I thought Jessup was incredible that last night and uh, hit some tough shots, made his free throws down the stretch. You know, and that was an ugly, ugly, ugly basketball. I mean, what was it, like 50? There was like 50-something points at half, Eric. Is that right? Uh, Well, it was uh, Boise State and UNLV. Yeah. It was 29 to 24. Because – Yeah, and it was like 17 to 15 with four minutes left in the half, Eric. I I feel like I was watching a high school basketball game. Um, it was it was bad. It was really really ugly basketball for a long long time. And the second half, it picked it all up. Uh, but then of course you know Utah State and and New Mexico was a classic. Obviously one of the greater games we've seen in that conference tournament's history. And then Nevada and Wyoming. I mean I'm look I'm telling you like Nevada shouldn't scare you, but they're going to just because Nevada tonight is going to come up with the same attitude they did last night and the night before. Eric, they shouldn't even be here. You mean Wyoming? They shouldn't even be in the semifinal. And now that they are, they have all the confidence in the world. They're playing pressure-free. They're just out there having fun. Like, they came at one point and were like, I mean, I think they had a bucket, a dunk, a layup, and a three. And, like, just, I mean, because they were down by ten. They made that run to come back. And nobody was, like, you know, like, laser in, Kobe Bryant focused. All of them were laughing. Like, two, like, three of the five starters were on the court laughing. Because I think they were kind of thinking, like, holy crap, we're actually in this. And uh, and like, for Steve Alford in Nevada, that's got to suck. 
Like, you, you get the matchup you wanted, and then you can't even go out and beat them. And I know Craig Smith is very aware of what Wyoming's confidence is. He, I know he's very, very aware that this crowd is going to be pro-Wyoming. And uh, he's also very aware that uh, Wyoming thinks that they can beat the best team in the country, even if it is San Diego State right now, this very moment, they think they can beat anybody. And that right there is a very, very scary thing to deal with with an 11 seed. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that's, to borrow a Las Vegas phrase, they're playing on house money. I mean, they weren't expected to be here. They're playing free. They're playing loose. Uh, Look what they did from beyond the three-point line. 11 three-point shots made. Uh, That got them really into that game. And uh, after being down by double digits early in the second half, and then just kept chipping away at it. Uh, feel great to, to that Hendricks was able to have the game that he had. 12 points, three steals. He had a block. He had a couple of rebounds. I mean, he was doing a lot of things on the court. Uh, Marble just had a, fan, a phenomenal game for Wyoming. but uh, And they got some good be- help off the bench from Hunter Thompson. So this is a that was a Wyoming team that, you're right, they're playing loose. Like, they have defied all expectations and there are no uh, pressures on them whatsoever to perform or to do to do well to get to the next level. They're just out there having fun playing basketball. Yeah, and look, I'm happy for Wyoming. I mean, think about it, Eric. They had two wins in 16 or in 18 tries in the Mount West Conference. Two. They have two wins in two days in the Mount West Conference tournament. Someone figure that out for me. Like, how does that work? Um, and, and by the way, I know we talked about it yesterday, but we'll say it right now because I'm not going to say it tonight. I'm happy for Hendricks. I really, really am. That kid has battled for that team and, and to try to keep him in it. And he, I thought he was good last night. I thought, you know, he helped the team when they needed it with leadership. And, um, he is their Sam Merrill, really, for all intents and purposes. And, and, uh, golly, uh, man, this Wyoming team again, like I said, it's, it's a dangerous 11 seed. It's a beatable 11 seed, but it's a dangerous 11 seed for the reasons we just discussed, and the main one being they have nothing to lose and everything to gain right now. Okay, we talked about the legend of Sam Merrill and just how phenomenal he was. Diogo Brito provided some key moments late in the second half to close things out. But I want to focus on some of the other unsung heroes that kind of made some things happen for Utah State, and notably... Uh, Sean Barstow uh, playing important minutes late in the game. Yes, he did have some turnovers earlier. He had a little bit of hard time. Uh, he made some freshman mistakes. But the way he was able to still be in there with uh, Porter ailing on the bench and providing some quality minutes for Coach Smith, I thought that was really important, not just for the game last night, but for the future of the program. You took my guy. Like, that was exactly who I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He had some really bad turnovers early in the second half in that press. It was just an issue. And then all of a sudden, uh, that you remember the final bucket the Aggies got, right? The, he had the ball in the right wing, left-handed dribble to the hard, hard side of the hole, and then a beautiful just layoff bounce pass to Bean, who got a bucket to go, and he actually got fouled too, by the way, uh, but got the bucket to go. Like, just set Bean up perfectly uh, on a nice, just little uh, baby bounce pass to his right side. And I just thought, Berstow in the final six minutes of basketball, played his best basketball I, I really a long while. And, and I think a big reason to that, 
Eric, it's it's interesting. When Samurai comes on the court, everybody just ups their game. Everybody gets better. And Sam, I mean, and, and some of those guys, like Sam doesn't even pass the ball to him or anything. It's just simply Sam being on the court, everybody around him gets better. And, uh, and I think Barrett was a big part of that. And I also think Bean, too. Bean was massive, Eric. Massive on the boards. He had to deal with that situation almost by himself at times because Keta was out. Anderson was getting, Anderson was getting beat up pretty bad over there in the post. He was taking some hits. And Bean just kept battling and battling. I think he finished with Eric, well, I think 15 rebounds. Yeah. 13 points. Uh, just, I mean, came points. up clutch and was so good. Yeah, 10, 10 points, two assists, and a steal to go along with his uh, 15 boards. A, another pr- a tremendous performance by by Justin Bean, what he means to Utah State in the post and how he chases down loose balls. He is that uh, glue guy, that, that difference maker, the, the X factor, who's not going to lead your team in scoring, but he's just an energy guy that makes a lot of other things happen and as a result finds a lot of positive things for himself with putbacks, or uh, dunks, or you know, finds himself in a position to to, to help his team extend a, a a series on their end. So, what a what a great part of this whole piece that Utah State has with their whole team and how they're they're made up this year. You know, another point I want to bring out, and I know it's going to be controversial to say the least. I actually thought the referees did a good job. You know what? That crew is actually a Final Four crew, Eric. All of them have refed in at least two Final Fours. So that's a Final Four crew that they had last night for that game. And to be quite honest with you, I thought they did a pretty good job. They, uh, for the most part, kept it consistent. They let the guys play when they needed to. Uh, you know, I, I, everyone wants to talk about the hook and hold on Keta. They got the flagrant right, and I thought it was a common foul on Keta as well because he did reach in. I know Sam wasn't happy in the first half because he was getting beat up, but I think sometimes Sam... If he would stay on his feet more when he goes to the hole, I think he would get more calls. But he goes to the ground way too much, and I think that's just a small problem, and that's kind of what the refs are a giveaway for. You know, you're not going to call every time you hit the ground there, buddy. you got to stay on your feet. You know, if you get the bump, we'll call it, but, you know, we're not going to just give it to you every single time. Do you, uh, last thing on this before we move on and talk about some of the things that will be happening tonight, uh, Coach Weir. Saying that you know Sam should be in the NBA, uh, it, we've we've heard that there have been N- NBA scouts attending Utah State games. They've been watching Sam and Nimi. Uh, we, uh, we heard on a national broadcast that the Houston Rockets definitely thought that Sam would fit their system. Do you think this guy has a future at the next level? No, I know he does. Sam Merrill is an NBA player. Sam Merrill is an NBA basketball player. Durable, athletic, well, semi-athletic, great shooter, can get to the hole, strong. Um, and you know what the best thing about him, and I know people outside of the NBA scout world don't understand this, this point. They really don't. NBA scouts look at what their record off the court is like. What do they do in their off time? Are they at nightclubs? Are they partying? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? Now look, a majority percentage is based on what they can do on the court. Absolutely, Eric. But what he does off the court, he's married to a beautiful gal. Um, he's, he's LDS. He's, he's been in no trouble since he's been at Utah State. Zero. Zero. 
um, unless he's toilet paper to house that we don't know about. Um, and he just he keeps himself out of the, the, the nightlife. He doesn't need it, doesn't want it, doesn't care about it. And that's Sam Merrill. And I think there's a lot of reasons on the court that, that Sam Merrill's going to get drafted. But there's also some really dang good reasons off the court that he's going to be liked as well. And I do know of two teams that have strong interest in him. Eric, uh, one of them is in love with him, to say the least. They really, really want him. And I think people would be surprised if, if they knew who it was. I won't say it on air because it's, uh, it's confidential. But uh, there's two teams that are just salivating Eric salivating to the floor on 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 Sam right now and yeah he's an NBA player and he's going to be an NBA player absolutely no doubt. I, I I too believe that he has the ability to play at the next level but I worry that some teams may say that he doesn't pass the eye test like that the uh, I thought was stupid that it was applied to JC Carroll that you know here's a uh, uh, a guy, maybe he doesn't look like he's the most fit, uh, but he certainly, if you watch his tape, you, you can see that he's he defends, he plays hard, uh, he may not be the fastest guy on the court, but he's durable and he continues to play well. And he, yes, he does have an ability to create his own shot, too. So um, the, the way he brought his team back from the brink of annihilation and uh, the end of the season... Well, last night should be evidence enough for anybody that had any doubts that this is a guy that can play at the next level against some of the best players. Yeah, look, and the eye test is the eye test, whatever it is it is. But, look, I, 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 I tell you again, there are two teams that really want this guy right now, and that will do whatever they can to get him. And uh, I like his chances. All right, we're going to take another time out here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, Aj, I want to get your thoughts about uh, and predictions for tonight. Utah State taking on Wyoming. Also, San Diego State and Boise. You saw both those games, uh, those teams earlier in the day. So how might that game play out uh, later on this evening? That's the first of the two games tonight. And uh, a little bit later on, we'll get into the Utah Jazz taking on the Boston Celtics on the road. Celtics have two key guys out. How much could that affect the Utah Jazz? Uh, Jordan Love's draft stock continues to rise, and there seems to be a growing consensus about where people think he might go. Could that be a good situation for him or not? And then also there's a really fun high school all-star game taking place this weekend. We'll update you on uh, where that's happening and how you can check that out. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. It's a full court press on a Friday. Man, what a great Thursday. That's going to be tough to beat. That's why I love March. Conference uh, tournaments underway. Mountain West already certainly in full swing. We know that. West Coast Conference will be getting underway this weekend and into next week. And then everybody else next weekend. So really exciting time of the year. Absolutely love it. And it did not disappoint. If that's just a taste of what we're going to see... Oh, man, salivating. It's going to be awesome. So tonight it's going to be Boise State and San Diego State. That game's going to be at 7 o'clock our time on CBS Sports Network. When that game's over, it'll be Utah State versus Wyoming at 9.30, a late game for the Aggies. 
maybe it's good to give them a little extra rest from what they had to go through last night. But if they win, it's a short turnaround to when they play on Saturday afternoon. But, you know, you, you steal from one, rob from the other. But um, our sister station, KVNU, they'll be doing their pregame coverage on, uh, on KVNU, 610 AM. And better to tune in on 102.5 FM. And that'll be starting at 8.30 tonight. So they'll know how that Boise State-San Diego State game is uh, finalizing and what Utah State will may have to face uh, tomorrow. But then the matchups that are going on tonight, Ajay, San Diego State-Boise State, let's start there. San Diego State t- took care of Boise State in the two times they met earlier in the year. Is third time going to be any different? Oh, you know, uh, I I think Boise makes it more of a game than they have the last two times because they were both blowouts in the regular season, weren't they, Eric? Yeah, by double digits both times. Yeah, I think they keep it within single digits. I don't think they beat them, but I think they give them a run for their money. What Utah State needs Boise State to do is give them a physical game, beat them up a little bit. Uh, you know, no injuries or anything like that, but just beat them up a little bit, give rag them to death, and then you know make them have to exhaust themselves to go into the championship game Saturday Saturday afternoon, if nothing else, and beat them. So Utah State fans who may be there, they should be cheering for Boise. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I guess so. The problem is that if you lose to Boise in the championship game, you're, you're the number one seed in the NIT. If you lose to San Diego State by, say, five or six, you're probably in the NCAA tournament. Um, so it, it really just depends how you want to look at it. I think, I don't know, like, I, I gotta be honest with you, Eric. I don't know how much juice Utah State has left in them. Um, I feel like last night, by the end of the game, like if that thing goes in overtime, I'm not sure Utah State wins it. I really, I'm not sure. Um, and I think they're running on pure fumes by with like two minutes left in that game. It felt like, uh, and they just, I mean, they had to will themselves to to, to come away with a, a win. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question to ask. I, I would say, you know, whoever it is, it is. But we, we, we still got to – look, we still got to beat Wyoming tonight. And that right now is a cause for concern considering what Wyoming's doing right now. So uh, I think you're right. I think this the San Diego State-Boise State game, whatever happens, it for Utah State's benefit, it should be a close game. It should be a hard-fought game. If Utah State's going to advance tonight, then uh, those two teams battle it out. San Diego State has certainly shown that they are vulnerable – over these last couple of weeks, so don't overlook anything. Certainly not the way that this tournament has been going on. And then for Utah State and Wyoming tonight, who do you think needs to be that X factor to maybe that player that needs to elevate their game tonight for Utah State to take care of business early and get this game taken care of uh, early on, if possible? Alfonso Anderson. I Alfonso Anderson's got to be good tonight. Look, he's going to have to see minutes. I don't know how much, you know, Keta's pretty tired. Barristow, I thought, was good in the in the latter half of last night's game, as you and I talked about, but it's got to be Alfonso tonight. He wasn't great last night, I, I didn't feel like. Um, had some missed bunnies. He had a really, really poor decision to dribble behind his back and, and turned it over. Um, you need Alfonso to be the early season Alfonso tonight and to help, you know, put, put this, put this Wyoming team away. Get it down by 20, 23 and this game's over. Get your starters off the floor. Let them sit and recover for tomorrow's championship game. 
All right, Ajay, let's do this. We're going to take another quick timeout here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, let's do our pick six. We didn't get a chance to do it yesterday, but we're going to do it today. It's on a Friday. Normally, it's a Thursday thing. But six things we think might happen this weekend. You prepared? You got your three things? Yeah, we just got to hope things go well tonight. (laughs) So you're saying a lot of it's riding on what happens Saturday for Utah State. I'm saying that if we, uh, I'm saying that if we don't win tonight, we might not have three lines tomorrow or Monday. <laughs> All right, excellent, very good. We'll see what it what it is. Invite you to play along as well. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. If you want to weigh in on what you think, uh, how you would choose, how we would, or choose against us, and how we do our pick six, we'll do that. Coming up next, right here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Friday very exciting night last night in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Aggies pick it up again tonight to take on the Wyoming Cowboys. Tip-off at 9.30 on CBS Sports Network. Al Lewis and Jalen Moore. They'll do the pregame coverage starting at 8.30 on 6.10 a.m., 102.5 FM, and uh, run that right up until tip-off, which you can watch on CBS Sports Network. It'll be a late night for those guys because then they'll be back on the air immediately following to break it down and to take your reactions as well. So, with that all being said, let's talk about our pick six. We didn't get a chance to do this uh, yesterday because that's when we normally do it on Thursdays. So we're going to do it today. And, Ajay, since you're on a winning streak, uh, I'll let you decide if you want to go first or if you want me to go first with my lines. Uh, I'll go first. All right. We got Adam, the intern, here. He's uh, going to keep track of everything for us. Y- y'all ready, Adam? Oh, yeah. Hi, Ajay. All right, so we ready? Yes, we're ready. Go for it. Yes, we're ready. Go for it. Adam, do you love how I just totally ignored you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I mean, you know, it hurts. Yeah, hurts you, a of course you do. Adam, <laughs> shut up. We don't got a lot of time. Be quiet. No cares. All right, so here we go. Uh, my first line, uh, Sam Merrill, 32 minutes, 32 and a half minutes tonight, over under. Ooh, that's a good line. Um, I'm going to say under. Me too. I think it's under. I think we take care of business tonight. Okay. What's your next one? <sighs> Justin Bean. 13 and a half rebounds tonight over under. Uh, I'm going to take the... Ooh, that's good. I'm going to take the under on that. I'm going to take the over. Okay. And then my final line. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Diogo Brito tomorrow. 12 and a half points over under. Oh, wow. There's a lot of implications there. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go over. I think they shut down Sam. They find a way to shut down Sam. I think Brito gets more looks. 
Okay. All right. Adam's got the my line, so he'll read them out to both of us. Go All for right. it, Adam. Okay. So let's start it out with Rudy Gobert points at Detroit. The line is set at 18 and a half. Over, under. Oh, good line. Over. I'm also going to go with the over. He's finding his offense here lately. Okay, next we have uh, Nimi Keita rebounds versus Wyoming. The line is set at 12 and a half over under. <laughs> over. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. Okay, next we have Miles Powell uh, points versus Creighton. The line is set at 19 and a half. the hell uh <laughs> under you're going under okay uh i'm gonna take yes. the over i'm gonna take the over uh, i'm gonna take the over i'm gonna take the over okay and then for the tiebreaker in case it's needed i want the score to the utah jazz boston celtics game closest score wins closest score wins okay Andre, you go first 112 95 boston all right, I'm gonna say. All right, I'm gonna say. Oh man, that's good. I, I'm gonna say one seventeen to uh, to one thirteen for the Jazz. They don't have uh, Jalen Brown. They don't have Gordon Hayward. They don't have their defensive stopper, so I think there'll Wait, be a little what? more offense. They're out? Yeah, both of them are out for tonight. Yeah, both of them are out for tonight. Oh, fetch. <laughs> AJ, uh, th- this is, it's been an exciting 24 hours for college basketball. Let's, and there have been a lot of upsets in the Mountain West tournament so far. I, I think if, if the Mountain West needs things to go as best possible scenario, no more upsets tonight. Uh, we could hope for an upset tomorrow, but... Um, the, the the favored teams need to win tonight to make it work. Yeah, it would help. All right. Uh, thanks, Ajay. Thanks for tuning in and uh, joining us here from uh, Las Vegas. Have a fun time tonight. My pleasure. We'll talk to you Monday. Yep. All right. Uh, again, the game is at, uh, is at 9.30, so it's a late night. It's a late game for the Mountain West. Utah State has the, the late one. Aggies are currently favored. By 15 and a half in this game. San Diego State is favored by eight and a half. Boy, I sure hope that line holds correct. And if it's so, that means good things for the Aggies. Next hour, we'll talk about the Jazz, Jordan Love, and high school All-Stars. Stick around. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The hot stove period was a term originated in baseball to describe the offseason and all the moves teams make. Now it's become a big deal in every sport. So big, it's bleeding into the broadcasting world. We've become part of the rumor mill. It really took off last week when CBS signed Tony Romo for $17 million a year. Then news came out. CBS also looked at Peyton Manning. Yesterday, there was a report ESPN wants to trade 
trade for NBC broadcaster Al Michaels to pair with Peyton. ESPN is also reportedly interested in Phillip Rivers. Guys trying to decide whether they want to continue to play or go into the broadcast booth is nothing new. But now we report on all of it. It's become like sports. Trade rumors are a new twist, but who knows? Maybe it will become a trend. I hope I'm not on the block. I can just see the headline, veteran broadcaster traded for color analyst and a podcaster to be named later. Maybe I'm worth that much. Hopefully, if that ever happens, I'll get sent somewhere warm. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.